Hello, believers. This is Dr. Shantae, and welcome to the finale. This is it, y'all, of season six. I'm Dr. Shantae, and this is the podcast that helps God chasers and difference makers find the tools, the confidence, and most importantly, the faith to believe bigger in their dreams. This entire season has been all about victory. Y'all are so spoiled. This was supposed to be a 10 episode season and look, we didn't double the capacity and we are going to end on a powerful note. Now, let me say this. I have to give disclaimers at the beginning of this episode. You know, we, we might, some of us, we might not be friends after this, but as always, these messages are delivered in love and I know I have a lot of men that listen to this podcast. And so you might've saw the pod, the podcast title and thought, Oh, this one ain't for me. Oh brother. Oh brother. Hold on. Hold on. My brother. Uh, this is for you too. And I will say this, I think, and this is for the women listening to this episode. I think that we all have to come to truth in our own time and not everybody is willing to face or embrace their truth. Okay. Not everybody is, is willing to go there. And sometimes it's easier. You know, we've talked about this, this being an enabler. Sometimes it's easier to deal with the dysfunction rather than the fallout of confronting certain behaviors. But this is definitely going to be one of those episodes where you might feel like your toes got stepped on. Trust me, as I've gone through this, my toes have gotten stepped on, but it's been all for the good um, that that brings me to a better and the best version of myself. And so it is in that spirit that I offer this finale episode. So today's episode is called, I am not your Superwoman," And our guiding scripture is from Matthew 11, 28 to 30. And it says this, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so on this episode, we are going to be talking about too heavy a yoke. What about June bug and recovery? Yes, I did. I said June bug. So I have a new therapist and she is lovely. I am absolutely loving my experience with this therapist. And she told, she had me take a battery of tests and assessments uh, prior to our first session. And as a result of that, she recommended a book to me called Too Heavy a Yoke, Black Women and the Burden of Strength. And as soon as I saw the title, I knew that this was about to jump all on my toes because I am considered and, and consider myself, you know, a strong black woman, you know, and many of us do, you know, and, and if you're not black, you know, uh, as, and a woman, it doesn't mean that you can't relate to this in some way, but the strong black woman is this, is this mythology that many of us carry and embody in our real lives each and every day. And so what I'm going to be doing in this episode to kind of give you some context is I'm going to be reading a few passages from the book that I want to address in this episode. 
And I usually skip over the introductions of a book, uh, but I actually decided to, to read the introduction of this one. And these two passages just kind of jumped out to me. And they say this, a modern day Atlas, she bears the weight of her multiple worlds upon her shoulders. And unfortunately, she is incapable of saying help as she is of saying no. Since childhood, she has been taught that a good woman, especially a good black woman, is independent, a giver and not a receiver of help, including emotional, financial and instrumental support. Moreover, as a woman, usually of Christian faith, if she does need help, it should come from only one source, God. And that struck me because that is exactly how I am. I remember at one point in my life, you know, post-divorce and just trying to pull things together that I was in foreclosure and nobody in my family knew it. Like I didn't tell a single solitary soul what was going on while I was working out and trying to remedy that whole situation. And when it finally came out, you know, they were like, well, why didn't you say anything? And you know, why didn't you tell us? And, and all of that. And I said, well, I told the person that I knew could do something about it. I told God, like that was, that was my instinct that, you know, if something goes wrong or something goes left or something goes awry, that my instinct is not to reach out for help. My instinct is to turn to God, you know, and, and leave my burdens, quote unquote, at the altar. And then this other passage struck me as well. It says that this crisis is deeply rooted in the church. Indeed, perhaps nowhere in society is the strong black woman more ubiquitous than in the Christian church. The church reinforces the mythology of the strong black woman by silencing, ignoring, and even romanticizing the suffering of black women. Rather than offering a balm to heal the wounds of black women who cry out about their pain, the church admonishes them with platitudes such as, God won't give you any more than you can bear, and if he brought you to it, he'll bring you through it. And that slapped me in the face as well, because, you know, I go to church every Sunday and I've told you in the past, you know, that my church tends to be very patriarchal, which is male dominated and very uh, traditional, even though we're currently in the search for a new pastor. But I remember being told uh, when I wanted to restart the women's ministry, I went to the leadership and I said, I would like to restart the women's ministry. And their exact words were for what? crickets. I was like, what? Women make up the bulk of the church. Women pay 80% of the bills in the church. But when I asked for women to have a ministry of some sort, which is not uncommon, the immediate reaction was for what? And that is what this episode is all about. There tends to be this belief that black women, what do you all need support for? What do you need help for? You all have it all together. Well, uh, you, you want something done, you know, you give it to a black woman and a sister, she's going to pull it right together. And in many instances, while that might be true, what happens is, is that we become a victim of our own success, quote unquote. When I say you become a victim of your own success, there tends to be this belief that, that you don't have any needs, that you don't have any desires, and that if you do, then you 
are perfectly capable and well able to pursue them and to fulfill them. Yet when it comes to the needs of other people, somehow those people just seem to be inept and incapable and in dire need of your support and, and able to facilitate the things that they want to do and the things that they wish to pursue. Here, she says this thing called strength. She writes, time and again, the needs of others have been superimposed on us. The need to believe that a black woman will love you come rain or come shine, that no matter how heavy the burden, we can shoulder it, that we are naturally more resilient, that mothering and self-sacrifice are second nature to us, that we are called to be of service to others, that we will bear the shield. Strong black woman is the amalgam of all that and so much more. She's flesh and blood, real myth and fiction, fact and lie. The assumption that we African-American female are inherently strong as if it were woven into our mitochondrial DNA is taken as gospel by our tribe as well as others. And so if you're familiar with the phrase black girl magic, that's what that refers to that, that we can put on the cape and we can do anything that we can build monuments and pyramids that we can turn the tide of elections that we can get organizations together and that we can, can do work at the church and, and do things at home and feed the children and, and the masses that we can do all of that as though we're just inherently built for that. And many of us have worn that as a badge of, of honor and a, and a badge of, of courage and legacy. We are continuing this, this history, this heritage of being a strong black woman. But the thing is, there's consequences for that, right? There's, there's a backside to that. This next passage says, over time, the burden of responsibility becomes too heavy to bear, but because they do not want to let anyone down and because their pride will not allow them to be seen as a person in need of help, they keep giving even as they feel their physical and emotional health giving way. I cannot tell you how true this is. I remember years ago, I put a question on Facebook. I said, women, I said, ladies, why is it that even when we need help, when we know we need help, when we know we are struggling, will we not ask for help? And the number one answer was pride. It was pride because we don't want to be seen as someone who can't do it, as someone who can't pull their weight, as someone who can't quote unquote do their fair share. And then this last part, it says, for the strong black woman, however, strength takes on a particular connotation that has dangerous consequences. Specifically, strength intrinsically is linked to suffering. That is the capacity to withstand suffering without complaint. The strong black woman then is supposed to be capable of enduring life's struggles without complaining. She is cautious to maintain control over her emotions, especially those that will reveal her vulnerability, such as sadness, grief, helplessness, hurt, embarrassment, anxiety, regret, or fear among others. The reason why I'm bringing this up is because almost every black woman in my circle that I know in my family of my friends, almost every black woman I know embodies this definition in some way. And it's killing us truth be told, it is literally killing us. It has taken its toll on our health because when you suck up your emotions and you soldier on and you just keep holding up the bloodstained banner, eventually that is going to manifest itself in some really unhealthy and toxic 
ways. I remember when Beyonce released the Lemonade album and at the end of that song, Sorry, she says, suicide, before I let this tear roll down my eye, me and my baby, we gonna be all right. We gonna live a good life. That happens so often when we get hurt, when we get heartbroken, it's like, oh, you'll never see me cry as though we're not allowed to be human. Even back in the 80s, like I think it was late 80s, uh, Karen White, the singer of the song, I'm Not Your Superwoman, the whole chorus was that I'm not your superwoman. I'm not the kind of girl that you can let down and think that everything is okay. Boy, I am only human. This girl needs more than occasional hugs as a token of love from you to me. In other words, I have feelings. I am a human being and I have vulnerabilities and I have frailties and fragility and it's not okay to just keep packing it on and it's not okay to just keep thinking that we're like a Timex watch where we're just going to take a licking and keep on ticking and, and keep it moving, even though that's what many of us have been doing. But there are consequences for that. The author here says failure to acknowledge and cope with negative emotions does not limit their impact. Instead, that impact becomes redirected, often taking its toll upon their physical health, predisposing them to stress-related problems such as hypertension, ulcers, migraines, obesity, chronic pain, sleep and appetite disturbance. So it's not that these things are not manifesting themselves. They're just not manifesting themselves emotionally, but that pain goes somewhere. And more times than not, it begins to debilitate our physical health. And the last thing that I wanted to share with you was about this notion of independence. So one of the hallmarks of a strong black woman, quote unquote, is this notion of being independent. And, you know, all the women who independent and those types of songs reinforce that notion that a woman can be financially independent and that she doesn't, quote unquote, need a man. And the author says this. Independence for the strong black woman means socio-emotional autonomy, depending and relying solely upon herself to meet her needs. Strong black women have a hard time asking for help and a hard time receiving help when it's offered. And then she talks about one of her participants for this research that she did. And the participants said this, I don't like to ask nobody for nothing. It has to be the last resort before I ask for help. There has to be like no other way. If I'm struggling financially, I'll wait until the very end because I feel like I should be able to do it. No matter what, I'm supposed to be able to do it. I don't want to ask. I don't know if that's pride or being strong or what, but I don't want to ask. And so many of us fall into that category. We have convinced ourselves that we would rather go without or that we would rather suffer than to have to ask somebody for help or to be seen as somebody who can't quote unquote take care of her own business. We have in a lot of ways, ladies, become our own worst enemy. We have made it okay to be needed and made it shameful to have needs. I'm going to repeat that. We have made it okay to be needed and have made it shameful to have needs. Okay. It is okay for a man to need a woman to lick his wounds and to rub his back and to fix his dinner and to raise his children and, and be the bridge in the gap between unemployment or jobs, or if he gets laid off, all of that is perfectly fine. But if a woman, a black woman, especially says that she needs a man, she is met with judgment and criticism and labeled as weak. You need a man. Mm, what's wrong with you? Wait a minute. 
Why is it okay for us to be needed, but it's not okay for us to have needs? We have done that. We have reinforced that. We have continued that toxic cycle of socialization. That's not on anybody but us. And we have made it very easy for men to be casual about their commitments. And brothers, I'm not knocking you, but a lot of men are casual about their commitments because we take on this attitude like, oh, we got it. We're going to be all right. How many times have you seen, because I've seen this so many times, how many times have you seen a, a young father, you know, he got a newborn baby or a baby a couple of months old, he walks in with the baby in the diaper bag, and I kid you not, if there is a woman, especially a black woman, within a three feet radius of that man and his child, within two minutes, that baby is going to be out of his arms. Give me that baby. Y'all know what you're doing. Hey, and she just goes off to nurture the child. We have taken children out of the hands of their fathers and basically said, you don't know what you're doing. Stay in your lane. You, you go do man things. We got this. And you wonder why it's so easy for so many men to just walk away from their families and walk away from their children because we come and say, nope, we got this because you don't know how to do it. We'll do it. Which brings us to, but what about Junebug? Now, you may not know what I mean by that, but trust, by the end of this segment, you will be very clear on who Junebug is. Jonah, the first chapter of Jonah, verses 11 through 15 says, because the sea was growing more and more stormy, they asked him, Jonah, that is, what do we have to do to you so that the sea will calm down for us? Jonah told them, pick me up and toss me into the sea. Then the sea will calm down for you because I know that it is my fault that this mighty storm has come upon you. Even so, the crewmen rode hard and tried to bring the ship to dry land, but they were unsuccessful because the sea was growing more and more tumultuous. So they picked up Jonah and tossed him into the sea and the sea stopped raging. In this situation, Jonah is Junebug and Junebug refers to grown, able-bodied, capable people. It is not your job to be the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker for grown, able-bodied, capable people, okay? And by capable, I mean, if you drop dead today, that person would have the mental capacity and wherewithal to figure out his or her next move. God had an assignment on Jonah's life. God said, Jonah, I have a specific thing that I want you to do. And Jonah said, I'm not going to do that. In fact, I'm going to do the exact opposite and I'm going to run as far away from what you asked me to do as possible. And so Jonah went to the docks and he bought a ticket to a ship and he was on his way sailing away. But see, God had a plan. God began to bring the storms and the sea was raging and the crewmen who were basically innocent bystanders in all of this because they don't know what's happening between God and, and Jonah. They were getting tossed to and fro. The water's coming in the ship. They The whole thing is about to turn over and as, as hard as they tried to even get the ship to dry land, they were completely unsuccessful because because Jonah was in the ship and it was to the point where they said, what is it that we have to do in order for the sea to stop crashing into the ship? And Jonah said, toss me overboard. Too many of us have allowed storms into our lives because we're taking care of people that we are not responsible for. 
Too many of us have invited storms into our lives because we are taking care of people that we are not responsible for. First Thessalonians 3.10 says, if anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. We have allowed people to gas us up. We've allowed them to fill our heads with these notions. We've been hoodwinked into believing that we're not good women if we don't stay down in the trenches with people that can do for themselves, that if we don't stay in the trenches and roll with the punches and and hold it down and and pay for this and that and the third and and put our dreams and aspirations on hold or release our dreams altogether for the sake of grown folks okay not kids grown folks and as a result those storms have come your finances are stressed your car got a million miles on it you can't get a moment's peace in your own house because it's full of people that's just laying up eating your food and using up your electricity and and being on the phone and up all hours you've invited that into your life because someone has guilted you or cajoled you into thinking that it is your responsibility to take care of grown folks i know so many parents and grandparents that are taking care of these wayward 18, 19 year olds coming in and out, cussing them out, stealing stuff out the house. And somehow they believe that it is their responsibility to keep providing for and doing for and have other family members say, well, that's your child. You just going to put them out. Well, that's your child. You, you just going to put her out. Yes. Yes, I am. And I know that the thought is, well, you can't just put them out because, you know, what about Junebug? What's going to happen to Junebug? Well, I have a word from the Lord. Jonah says in the first chapter, 17th verse says, and the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. I repeat, the Lord appointed a great fish, which means the Lord had a ready-made plan to get Jonah right together. And so the Jonah, the June bug in your life, that trifling teenager or that trifling so-and-so that you got in your house that you are allowing to use up and monopolize your resources for whatever reason, if you would move out of the way, I can assure you that God has a ready-made plan and a pointed plan for that person to be taken care of. Because you know what? You are not God. You are not a bank. You are not a pack mule. You are not superwoman. And it is foolish and unhealthy for us to embrace that identity. Let me be very clear. Jesus paid it all. It is not for you to sacrifice yourself, your joy, your peace, your paycheck, your emotional capital, and your physical health. Why you can't lose that 30 pounds? Because you are stressed to the gills doing for other folks so that they can live rent-free on your sacrifices. You have to be willing to step out of the way and let God appoint the resources that are necessary for that person. And here's the hard part. And here it is. Here it is. Here is the rub. Okay. I have always said, if you do not control your emotions, your emotions will have control over you. So here's the hard part. You have to be willing to endure the backlash because when you put those people out or when you stop opening up your purse or when you change the locks on your doors, somebody gonna have something to say about it. You gonna get talked about. You might get called everything but a child of God, but you have to be willing to endure that. You have to be willing to let some folks just be mad. You have to be willing to let some relationships go, which brings us to recovery. 
In the book, the author has a 12-step program for recovery, which I'm not going to cover here, but I am going to go over the first three steps and then add one of my own. And step one on the road to recovery is to admit that we are powerless over our compulsion to be strong, that our physical, spiritual, emotional, and relational health are suffering. I know that we have been conditioned this way. In other words, we feel compelled to help. We feel compelled to go out there on the front lines. We feel compelled to do that. But doing so at the risk of our emotional and physical and spiritual health is not healthy. And so we admit that this is a struggle. The second part is we acknowledge that we are not divine. In other words, we are not God, that there is a power greater than ourselves who can restore us to right relationship with ourselves and others. And so God has to be the provider. God has to make the provision. It is not for us to be the savior of the whole world, because that is a burden. That is a yoke that has become too heavy for us to bear. And last but not least, we have to make a decision to turn our will and our lives. Those of the people that we care for over to the care and the protection of the divine. In other words, throw Jonah off the ship because God will make a way for that person or those persons, especially if they're capable and able-bodied. And even when they're not, sometimes we have people in our lives and our families that do require caregiving, but you may not be in a position to be that caregiver. That may not be what your life can accommodate. And we will stretch ourselves to the hilt to try to do that And it begins to take its toll. And so it's okay to outsource or to get help or support or pay for assistance to come in and help with that. And the thing that I would like to add, so those first three steps were from the author, but what I would like to add is that we have to be willing to commit to our own healing. We have to learn how to take care of ourselves and prioritize our own health. We have to move ourselves off the back burner to go to therapy and learn how to set boundaries with people. And we have to stop feeling guilty and not allow people to shame us for not doing things that they can do for themselves. When we enable people to continue to take advantage, we teach people how to treat us. And so if we teach people that we will just take a licking and keep on ticking, then they will continue to take advantage of us in that way. The whole theme of this season was for you to live victoriously. And as much as I love being a black woman, and as much as I'm proud of all that I have accomplished as a black woman, it at times has been a very isolating experience it feels very lonely because it seems like at times you are giving all the help and yet there doesn't seem to be any available to you that when your phone lights up with text messages, it's rarely, Hey, how you doing? I was just checking on you, but more, can you, will you, what are you doing? Are you able to, I need some, that sort of thing. And so it's okay to take a step back from that and redirect that energy and that focus and that capacity to care and give that to yourself. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And so that is the end of our episode and our season. Don't forget the Hello It's Me Tour kicks off next Friday in DC. I look forward to connecting with you in DC and Atlanta and Dallas. And if you have any questions, comments, takeaways about this episode, as always, you can hit me up at Dr. Shante Says, and I will see you next season. Thank you so much for rocking with me.